This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing on this lovely, if not slightly, uh, what's the word? It's not foggy. Um, dusty? <laughs> Friday evening. Uh, happy to be here with Jeremy Cohen. Uh, hello, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, John. I think the word you're looking for is hazy. That is the word I'm looking for. There you are. A rousing start. Yes. Let's hope the Knicks are not the Knicks front office at least is not in a haze right now. Uh, their players could be off in any any number of hazes at the moment because it's the offseason. That's fine. Uh, but the front office needs to, <laughs> needs to be locked in as I know you are. Are you not? I hope so. We'll see. I'm trying yeah. my best. Well, um, that's all we could do. We, we could try. Our, I, I for the occasion, I broke out. Um, I'm What's my wine of the night? My wine of the night. I'm drinking the Expressionist 2019 Shiraz. But more importantly, I broke out my uh, birthday present, which is a Super Daddio Mario themed wine glass. So I don't, I don't know what that portends for what we're about to see happen or not happen in the next several hours. But I don't know. Felt like a good occasion to do it. There's always a good occasion. Anytime you have a Super Daddio cup or you know glass that's that's worth it yeah no it, it's it, very cool thank uh, shout out to my family who is behind a set of sliding doors right now they are excommunicated from the living room well we do the serious work of talking about the knicks and what um what will be their next step um with the full understanding that perhaps the best next step that they can take will be the step not taken. Um, I don't know if I butchered that analogy enough, but I, I, I think sitting here right now, I vacillated back and forth on whether I am anticipating fireworks, not fireworks. The, uh, the Woj, you know, hardened tweet kind of, I'm sure like everybody threw me for a bit of a loop last night. Um, and then, things seem to calm down and it was like, oh, wait, yeah, the Knicks are probably not really a contender for Harden, but maybe they still are. If you listen to Brian Windhorst, we'll maybe get into that in a bit. Um, I just want to know where your where your head's at. What are you what are you most curious about? What are you most excited about? What are you most nervous about? Like, how, how are you feeling right now? Anxious, but fine. Uh, it's at the point where we've kind of seen what this front office has done over really a three year track record. And the answer to that is really they've taken their time. They've been patient. They have not exactly overcommitted in a way that sets them back. So if there's something out there that feels too forced, then I don't expect them to do it. And that's kind of where we're at. And here's the beautiful part of all this complicated part is every person has their own idea on how this team should operate. And People are going to be upset. People are going to be happy. People are going to be ambivalent. It's going to be a spectrum of happiness and unhappiness. So 
it's so hard to anticipate because you just kind of got to have to do it on the fly. You know, I mean, like it's the sort of thing where I am at the point where I expect Dante DiVincenzo to be a Nick. I expect Obi Toppin to not be a member of the Knicks anymore. It's kind of the other pieces that fall into place after that. Do the Knicks choose to consolidate? Do they do exactly what they did before, which is go into training camp with too many players and it just kind of works its way out? Which is every year we say there are too many players. And I think last year it worked out just fine. Put Rose and Fournier in mothballs. The year before, I didn't think it worked out, but it it showed that last year the Knicks finally said, no, 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 listen, Tibbs, this is what we have to do. Obviously, with the players the Knicks have on the roster, it's going to be tough to manage. So do they want to do that or do they trade from their surplus? Uh, that's kind of my biggest question yeah. for yeah. today. So I'll turn it over to you. Where's your head at? What are you thinking? Same thing. Same biggest question. And I think the the differentiating factor for me between this season and last season, when, as you correctly state, they they went into the season with like too many players for the spots that they had available. I think one of those... So it, it's funny because if you think back, like coming out of the preseason, you could argue that Cam Reddish had the worst preseason of any player who received like meaningful... Uh, not meaningful. Significant minutes <laughs> of any NBA team in the preseason. I swear I was not intentional. <laughs> um, and then he comes out an opening night in Memphis. He's argu- not arguably. He was the best player on the court for the Knicks. And then all of a sudden, they had a situation on their hands. I think, and that's really what caused the caused the issue, um, because the way it kind of developed over the course of the first month and change was there's not enough spots for Cam and Grimes. It was one of those two that was on the outs, and I, it never felt like it reached a sense of urgency for me. Not look, forget about me, like. I didn't feel like it reached a sense of urgency within the team just from my vantage point outside looking in. One, because I don't think they ever, like Cam ever crossed that threshold from like, let's give it a shot. We'll see what happens. If nothing happens, no harm, no foul, like into like, oh, this is a, this is now a coveted member of our core. I think maybe the furthest it ever got was like when Cam was playing well, they maybe made some calls around the league like, hey, so what do you want to give us Cam Register? Or maybe took some calls or whatever. Where the opposite was true of Grimes, where they had those handful of very curious, he was available, but he was situational. And like, was it injury related or was it not injury related? And like, we were sitting there and be like, so why is Quentin Grimes playing three minutes of garbage time when he's healthy enough to play? But he's like, what the hell is going on? The reason it made sense in my mind is like they were so sure of what they had in Grimes and they felt so secure about his long-term place within the organization and the, the core and the rotation that like, they were like, let's give this cam thing it's run. And then we'll just, and then of course the camp thing kind of sweatered out and, and Grimes was back and Grimes played a ton of minutes for the rest of the year. This year I have, I, I think it's a little bit different because I like you assume Obi's going to be gone. I think it, I don't even know. I, is there any Nick fan out there who thinks you're going to hang on to Obi Toppin into the season? I, if there is, I haven't spoken to one. Um, but as we've gone over many times, that opens up what it'll be top and average last year. Average, what, 14 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game. But on, on an average night, he'll get between 12 and 14 minutes. That's not like... 
I, I did the math again for today's newsletter. Like, yeah, is there a world where like basically every reserve is splitting, putting the centers aside? Like every reserve is, is like basically playing 24, exactly 24 minutes a game or like 23 and change with, with RJ Barrett. I know RJ is not a reserve, but like everybody other than the top two, other than RJ who will get, you know, about 30 at least. Everybody else is playing like exactly 24 because that's the only way it works out if you do the math. And like, I just, I have a tough time seeing that be a thing that they feel like, yeah, this is totally sustainable for the next whatever, you know, the next season. Like, I, I still, if it doesn't come to a head today or tomorrow, now we may be getting ahead of ourselves because at the present moment, they don't have Deontay DiVincenzo on the roster, which is where I want to turn to next. But like, it just feels like if they make this signing using this mid-level exception, I, I can't shake the suspicion that it's something other than Obi Toppin, that there's another shoe somehow, some way that's going to drop. And then the last thing I'll say, and again, I apologize if this is repeating myself for anybody who's been tuning in all week, but like just swapping out one rotation player on the Knicks in that instance for so, you know somebody else's rotation player well that doesn't really do the trick either unless you're telling me that they're swapping out like RJ Barrett or Emmanuel quickly for a guy who's going to be the backup four and is like pigeonholed into like tw- basically OB minutes and like do we really see them doing that like do we like what how much draft compensation is that team throwing in to make that a deal and then it just it gets messy so then you immediately go to the next logical leap of like okay well if a rotation player's going out and you're bringing back somebody actually good that's better. Well, then it's probably not one rotation player going out, but it's two rotation go- players going out on top of what we top it. And all of a sudden, you're changing over half your half your roster. Not literally, but you get what I'm saying. And that's yes, it is my point of confusion too. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I think the so if you're kind of taking like best case scenario, and again, I don't even. I've, I've, I'm on record saying I would really prefer the Knicks don't do this, but I understand the merit behind it. Look at someone like Paul George, right? Where sure. there's the mindset of the Knicks move enough salary out and they get Paul George in the building. And the benefit to Paul George was, okay, well, he's very good. He's not the healthiest. When he is healthy, you can play him. And let's face it, any trade that would involve Paul George hypothetically would have Julius Randle still here as well. It just it just feels like that would be the case based on every parcel of information that we have. And so then the thought process is, okay, well, the Knicks don't necessarily need a backup four because they can take Randall off. They could have Paul George play minutes when Randall's off the floor, shift him up to the four, that type of mindset. And I think that's kind of where it goes, where it's like if you're aggregating salary in yeah. some capacity and a rotation piece is going out because that's not what Evan Fournier is. He's just the salary part. He's yeah. not in the rotation. So it's Fournier plus a rotation piece that has to get you the requisite salary you need to bring that player in the building. But the player that you might want, you'd want them to have sufficient size because then you don't have to bring in a four like Obi. You have a three who or can go small up to the part. Right. Or goes. Yeah. yeah. Right. And again, Fred talked about it, that Tibbs would be open to it. Do I don't think that, that means the won't. Knicks, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being yeah. open to it and wanting something might be two completely yeah. different things. And it's not that Hart can't play the four. It's just, I am of the belief that you're now relying on probably four players uh, to hit the court at once that are all six five, six six and under. That's a small team. Yeah. It, they make up for it because they play big. And again, it's not that they can't do it. It's just there may be more of a preference. 
And that's where the mindset then comes into play of, okay, well, if you did add DiVincenzo, and if you did swap someone from the rotation out, and you were to try to find someone to soak up a lot of minutes at the three, at the starting position, who can also moonlight as a four, then you'd probably want someone with a little bit more size. Someone who's not Zach Levine, for example. Someone who's like Paul George, but if it's not Paul George, isn't Paul George. So how do you find those types of players? How do you get them in the building and do exactly what you want? And I, I think that there is a way that the Knicks can accomplish a nine-man rotation if that player that they were to bring in were able to be more of a natural four. But again, if they're not moving Randall and you need the money, it's it's why it keeps going back to process elimination of RJ. It's not a matter of, yeah. hey, we have to get this guy off the team. Yeah, it's, it's okay, let's look at it. It's the salary portion of it. It's the fact that you've got IQ for cheap. And yes, you have to pay IQ, but that's also easier if there's less money on the books potentially next year. Um, it's probably not going to be Grimes because he is really the piece that makes that uh, starting lineup go. You saw what this, the changeoff from Fournier to Grimes yeah. was. Obviously, Fournier is Fournier, but Grimes unlocks so much, and he, the Knicks need a low-usage, high-character, uh, 3-and-D type player, off-ball, who can work with them. And that's exactly and they like what him Grimes said. And they do. Every, right. every bit of reporting is like, they're very, very high on his development, continuing forward. So yeah, they're, right. I don't think Grimes is going anywhere. So if you have all these players kind of soaking up minutes, and you're trying to think of the cost involved, and the salaries and all of that, you just keep gravitating towards... Okay, it doesn't seem like they want to move Mitch right now. Uh, obviously, there was the report in terms of Embiid that was released where, yeah, the Knicks are certainly interested in that type of player. And so you're thinking, well, if the Sixers have no interest in moving Embiid, and I don't see why they would do that this summer, you're kind of saying, well, there's no reason for us to move Mitch right now because we like Mitchell Robinson. We know he can grow. He took strides defensively. There's still room for that. And this is the tough part about the offseason. The Knicks could run it back, right? And not a ton would change. You'd now have you'd have the same amount of players in the rotation if you bring DiVincenzo in and Obi Toppin out, but it still kind of doesn't fix what you're hoping for. So then it comes down to are you making a decision? Are you making something that's a little bit more challenging? Is it involving yeah. you know all these players? And that's why when I did the cap or no cap, I went through the list and did it by process elimination, where exclude the centers for right now. Look at Brunson. Look at Randall. It just, you keep getting to this point. So it, if they need to swap in a rotation piece, there's a way for them to do it where it's two in and two out. And then they get the player that they would acquire who's not Dante DiVincenzo to soak up minutes at the four. And if that yep. player can't be healthy, then that's when you scale down and say, hey, Hart, we need some minutes from you at the four in a pinch. That's just kind of how I see it going. But it has to be on the Knicks terms and the Knicks are particular in terms of the types of players that they want. So if they don't see who that is and feel that it's a good deal, then they're going to back off. A, a few, but, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're perfectly phrased. No, the last part is the most important part. The Knicks, if there's there, there are several through lines of the Leon Rose administration and you nailed it, which is what you said now. And you nailed it at the top of the show, which is, they don't make trades unless they're super comfortable making them. And look no further than the fact that they drew that line in the sand last summer and they knew what the fallout would be if they didn't get the guy. Now, maybe they never suspected they wouldn't get him, which is always something to, worth considering. But like they have, they have shown the ability to 
Like if we don't feel great about it, we're just not going to do it and we'll live with the consequences. Um, last thing about RJ, there's been much talk over the years, maybe not so much recently because it's, I guess it's kind of old news at the moment, but the Knicks being uh, much more steeped in analytics than they ever were. Uh, if that is even remotely the case, and if the people who are in the analytics department there have any impact or say whatsoever on, as you just discussed, which significant rotation player would go out, literally every metric that is available points to the team doing less good. I'm trying to be kind. When RJ Barrett is on the floor, uh, as opposed to uh, when he is off. So... You know, we'll see if that carries any weight, um, and as as we will see if the uh, playoffs carries any weight, because RJ was was certainly better in the in the postseason. For over thirty years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award winning, hard hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award regardless of the severity of your injury and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Paul Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212 212- Three six 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 one zero zero. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable, but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now you get a way slimmer fit fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D dogs, D-O-G-S dot com and promo code pool, P-O-O-L to receive a free Yeti style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I feel like we maybe we should start getting to because I know we got some super chats already. I wanted to do a quick Bruce Brown versus Dante DiVincenzo thing. The only other thing we've, we've heard reported, and this is recently from uh, Ian Bagley, but also a few of the beat reporters. DiVincenzo is taking meetings with several teams, one of which is the Knicks, uh, by all indications, through the night um, into tomorrow. And um, Andrew's saying, do this now. Okay, we'll do it now. Uh, Bruce Brown is also getting a meeting with the Knicks. And uh, Ian Bagley, literally, I think 10 minutes before we came on, reported that that meeting was going to be taking place early on in free agency. Ian would not go so far as to say that like the Knicks prioritize Brown or DiVincenzo or any any such thing, but he did make it very clear. Like Brown is essentially amongst players, even remotely in this price point. Um, he's 
he's the number one guy out there, you know, um, and to the point where there's even a, there was a rumor uh, or a, a report emanating from somewhere. I apologize. I'm not sure where uh, that suggested the, it was the Pacers, right? Could give him like $20 million a year, which I, I mean, that would talk about being a little, little rich. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've kind of been of the belief that DiVincenzo is a better fit for the roster as currently constituted than, um, than Brown is for basically two, one main reason, which is that he's a better shooter and he's a more willing shooter. And he's a shooter that I think defenses are going to pay more attention to. And as I'm thinking it through some more, I'm wondering if that is that, that stance is a little bit of an overreaction to what we just saw in the playoffs, specifically against Miami, where the thing that killed the Knicks seemingly was them not having enough shooters who a defenses care about and B can actually hit a, you know, a a three, let alone like a tough three or a quick three or a Creek, a three coming around a screen or any of those sorts of things. And then, you know, thinking about a little bit more and and then I want to get your take on this because like there is a reason that so many teams are lining up to try to, pay Bruce Brown a lot of money and that's because for as for as good as DiVincenzo is at a, at many different things really good ball mover for the wing position he's good cutter um he's a he's a certainly good off ball defender you know he he's just he's a versatile player he checks a lot of boxes at that you know albeit small 3 and D wing position Bruce Brown is I think I don't want to say I don't know if he if I would say he's like an elite defender, but his defense is something that is like you really have to reckon with. And I I, I do think we saw that in the postseason with Denver. And he's also just like, honestly, he's a lot like Josh Hart in that, like the percentages, like you look at his threes this season, he only shot four threes per 36 minutes a season, but he hit 36 percent of them. Okay, you know. And he just like he's a guy that when he comes in, good stuff happens. There's a, it's not an accident that Denver really, you know, their their best lineups, all of them had Bruce Brown in them with their other core guys. Like that's that's there's a reason for that. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on on like Brown versus Divincenzo? Well, first off, so yes, Ian reported about the suitors, and I thought then he mentioned, hey, the Lakers are also going to be meeting with him. I would guess that Brown meets with the Lakers. Cause he's probably gonna do that first. And there's a very good chance that he then says, I want to cancel the other meetings. I, this is where I want to be because it, it's been gaming, gaining momentum to the point where I wonder, Hey, is this just a way for the Lakers to not seem like they are tampering in any sort of way for Bruce Brown and from the Knicks benefit, it's yeah, we obviously there are ties to DiVincenzo with Villanova and Hart and Brunson, but by having meetings with other players and Ian even talked about this, it, it avoids the tampering concern that just sure. hit the Knicks with 2025 second round pick. Now the Knicks got off light. That's fine, but it's better to not lose any draft picks than to lose draft picks. So if you're the Knicks, Absolutely. you want to maybe play it slow. We, it's hard for me to see DiVincenzo not being here when Josh Hart and the Knicks agreed to extend the player option uh, date. And then he opts into the deal. So this, it just lines up perfectly. Now in terms of Brown versus DiVincenzo, a reason why I would rather have DiVincenzo, and this is for the Knicks, right? This isn't players in a vacuum. I think if you're looking at Brown versus DiVincenzo, generally, I would lean more towards Brown. Yeah. You alluded to it. DiVincenzo lets it fly. 
He yeah. doesn't just hit threes. He shoots a lot of them. He's got yeah. a very high volume of threes. Seven, Bruce Brown. 7.2 uh, per 36 minutes last season with right. the Warriors. Yeah. Bruce Brown does not do that. Bruce no. Brown's game is far more predicated on finishing at the rim and getting to the rim. Yeah. And when you're the Knicks, if you have Mitchell Robinson there, and maybe you have other players too, and Brunson trying to operate, it gets very crowded. So mm-hmm. what you might do if you're the Knicks is you have your other rim threats and you kick it out to the corner, kick it out above the break, find the open man, which is someone like DiVincenzo, who just, again, lets it fly to that point. So if I were building a team from scratch and trying to assemble all these different ways, I would, I would pick Bruce Brown. But DiVincenzo gives you that off-ball spotting abilities that Brown doesn't quite give you. He will drive less than Brown will, which you, the Knicks drive a lot. I mean, they were, I think, fourth or fifth in the NBA in drives per game. So depending on what else they might do with the roster, DiVincenzo doesn't really impact that. Brown would. Brown would um, likely catapult them higher, depending, again, who else is on the team. So I would rather have DiVincenzo for the Knicks just based on who they are, what they do. I think that you could look at DiVincenzo, for example, right? If you put him on the Lakers instead of Brown, you're giving LeBron spot up shooting as well. That's important. But it just feels like the Lakers really could use that rim threat that Brown provides the defensive end, pair him with Austin Reeves. I think that's a pretty good tandem. That's like really good tandem. And so you're able to, if you're the Lakers, you could bring back, D'Lo on a one-year balloon I, deal and use I think his salary for, down the line. I think two for 40 has been like rumored. Uh, w- I would yeah. hope the second year is a team option or not guaranteed <laughs> in some capacity. But that's so the thing. You, you're you basically trying to continue a soup D'Angelo Russell if you're the Lakers. Yeah. And you don't have to close with them. So your closing lineup could be LeBron, Reeves, Brown, Davis, and Vanderbilt. And I think that's... Or Schroeder if they or, bring their, right, him back. Depending yeah. on the matchups. But I think that's strong. It works better than having someone like DiVincenzo. So I would imagine Brown goes somewhere like that unless the Pacers back up the Brinks trucks. I don't see why they would unless they get desperate, but they've got like $35 million in cap space last I saw. So they can they can do something. They can be creative. It's just, I don't know, do they knock on the Hawks door with DeAndre Hunter again? Is there something else that's in the works? I'm really not sure. But if I'm, you know... If I'm the Knicks, I'm still trying to focus on DiVincenzo based on how my team is made up. What you said almost makes too much sense that like the Brown thing is a bit of a smokescreen uh, to throw people off the sand. I don't think it's a coincidence that Bruce Brown's two highest impact moments in the NBA, not like literal single moment, but like periods of time in the NBA were when he got to essentially be the center for the Brooklyn Nets. And he had guys like Kevin Durant and, you know, Kyrie Irving on the court with him. And then when he had a center like Nikola Jokic, who like, you want to talk about a, a match made in heaven, which is why like losing Bruce Brown is, I, I think going to be a big deal for, um, for Denver. If indeed it, it goes this way and, and who knows, but yeah, I think it'll, it'll be a, a great match with, with LeBron and, and the Lakers. And that makes more sense. And yeah, uh, DiVincenzo, it's just, I, I think it's, it's kind of a natural fit here, um, you know, to say nothing of the connections with uh, with uh, Jalen Brunson and and Josh Hart. Anything else you want to touch on before we got get started? There were two trades today, uh, right? Two trades, or was, am I imagining there was the Nets uh, basically taking <laughs> the one rumored 
threat to sign Cam Johnson away from them and dumping Joe Harris. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to tell. Well, I mean, when I, mean, I first read it, it was like picks. Yes, and when I first yeah. read, it was like, wait, the Nets are getting. Actually, the Pistons are getting Joe Harris, and and they're giving up two second round picks. No, they're getting okay. Yeah. It was kind of like it's so baffling. This whole time, Cameron Johnson is a threat to go to Detroit, or Detroit's a threat to poach him. And then suddenly, what the Nets said, we're not going to let him go. Like it's just not going to happen, Detroit. And then Detroit says, okay, fine, we'll we'll then help you facilitate that so that I don't know. It just yeah. like it feels to me. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. It feels to me like someone who's trying to hook up with another person okay. and that person says no. And then they're like, Oh, well, uh, here's my friend. If you want to hook up with them and then their friend hooks up with them. So, you know, you've never done that. You've analogy. never done a salad for your buddy. I, you know, maybe it hasn't been, I have been turned away and then that's the capace, but, but that's the sort of thing uh, where it's like, I'm not going to get anything tonight, but Hey, uh, maybe, maybe I can get some sort of enjoyment from someone else getting something out of this. And maybe, Oof, boy, I don't know, but we're really, it's, we're off the rails. Five thirty, we're off the rails too. Okay. So it's we're great. doing great. We're fine. She hasn't even opened yet. Yeah. Hey, uh, any, any super chat comments there, Andrew, are we ready for that? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Got that. Uh, wait, hold on. Before we get to the first super chat, was it, was it, wasn't there another trade? Or am I making that up? So what you're saying earlier today? Yeah. Was it, or yes. So, Chris Duarte is going to the Kings. That's right. Duarte, for two yeah. second round picks. I am very curious about this. And John, I don't know if you saw my message in the, the faculty chat. I did not. I, so I'm perplexed about the fact that we have not seen any other information about this trade than Duarte to the Kings for two second round picks. There's yeah. been anything official. We don't know which picks they are. Mm. There's still time to be working. So I'm just wondering... With the Knicks talking to the Pacers and the Pacers moving Chris Duarte to the Kings, is there an opportunity for a three-team deal? Is there something where maybe one or two of those seconds is now being kicked to the Knicks? Because, I mean, we'll have the, the Obi Toppin conversation, I would imagine, at some point tonight. And hopefully that can be the last time we have that conversation because mm. we I feel like it's just repeating ourselves as a broken record. The, but the horse has been dead for some time now. Right. So... But that's my wondering where it's that if the Knicks are trying to finagle this and they can turn this into a multi-team deal and all those different things. So uh, interesting as well. Jake Fisher just said Phoenix is planning to pull the qualifying offer for uh, Jock Landale, make Landale an unrestricted free agent. Perhaps they have. Um, wow. Maybe maybe they have concern that the qualifying offer might be too much. Uh, Landale's good. I, well, they need depth of some capacity. So there's got to be some sort of reasoning behind that but uh anyways just very That's quickly weird. back to yeah I, I, he may not leave it's just so was sorry so was the uh trend in wofford uh decision in portland everybody was like what the fuck like he's he's two million dollars i mean i guess i don't know what they have they have something going on i can't imagine they would just let trend and wofford walk for no reason but anyway i'd like to think that the Blazers are saying, all right, Dame, you won't leave. We'll just sabotage ourselves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we just cut Scoot Henderson. That's <laughs> great. Oh, man. I, you know, there's a few what what the F are they doing? Toronto is the number one what the F, which is, well, and probably Cook. Hey, he's a genius. He's got all this mastermind plan going on. Just, just let him cook, you know? Yeah, he's cooking all right. Uh, um, <laughs> Jelly beans and milk steak. <laughs> I was like trying to think of something. Um, no, but the I, to me, I, I think 
you know, the party's going to start with Van Fleet. Because if, if I say this, if if Toronto actually resigns Van Fleet, first of all, it's going to be for a monumental sum of money, um, which I don't know how that contract's going to age. But at least they'll continue to have a fairly clear direction, which is we're going to try to work our way to the six seed uh, next season again, which whatever. Um, but and the interesting thing there would be Houston is then sitting, I guess then maybe that's what Kuzma's waiting for to see if, Van, maybe that's the domino. If Van Fleet goes back to Toronto, Kuzma takes the money in Houston. And then would that have a, a domino effect for Dylan Brooks? We'll see, you know, it's all dominoes. It's all dominoes, but it did. Lopez too could be. An Brooke, option Brooke Lopez. Houston. Uh, and I saw that Kuzma might even resign that's, Washington, which to me yeah. is okay. So they probably do a one year bloated deal. And maybe they'd give him a player option for the second year. And then they uh, they move him at the deadline and Kuzma can then hit free agency next year. Or if it's enough money and he's happy, you could just opt in. I was a, That's an issue. We, we, we'll, we'll have it maybe if we have time to kill later. But like... Um, oh, we will. Which... Which, I know. which, will. which it, what would the... What's the number where the Wizards would rather have him on a longer deal? Like 25? 22? Like what you know, oh, where, a longer where the, deal? Yeah, where the Wizards would feel like we like him on at this. You know, he's an asset to us at uh at this number. You know, we want him for more years. You know, as opposed to you know Kuzma. I don't, you know I don't know what Kuzma's priorities are, but anyway, okay. Let's get to some uh, let's get some some questions and things. Um, starting with Nick DeSimone. John, put your hypothetical Leon pants on real quick. I hope my waistline is smaller than his. I've seen pictures of him. <laughs> I've been, I, I'm treating myself to some wine now, but I haven't been drinking. Like I've said, didn't go for a run today. This first day in a while, I haven't gone for a run. Um, the Raptors calling off you, OG for RJ and IQ. What's your response? No picks involved. Um, I'm doing it, which I know is going to anger, uh, upset, perturb, annoy. What other pejorative word can I use? Whatever, uh, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of Nick fans, but to me, and I've said this in different ways throughout the week, I'm not. Trading Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett for OG Ananobi. I'm trading RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly for OG Ananobi and uh, Dante DiVincenzo, assuming that I get Dante DiVincenzo with the mid level. Um, I mean, I, do I need to talk up OG Ananobi? Uh, I think he's a better fit for this team than RJ Barrett is. I think you could argue that there's more upside with OG Ananobi than there is with RJ Barrett. I certainly know you could argue, and it's it won't take you very long to argue that the floor is higher with OG Ananobi than it is with RJ Barrett. And, um, you know, probably as much as anything, OG Ananobi putting all of the other parts of his game aside, he brings you elite, elite defense at the big wing position, which is the most valuable type of, well, rim protection is the most valuable type of defense you could have. But like second to that, big wing defense is the most valuable type of defense there is. And he's a 38% career three point shooter, 37 point whatever. So, like, I'd do it. That's me. Jeremy, would you? I've talked about OG quite a bit. Uh, done in the past. Haven't done as much this offseason. Would not do this. Wouldn't do it. Okay. I, I would not. It's just that is a very rich offer for an off-ball player who you don't want to do a ton of creation, but who will help your defense tremendously. I would much rather move one of those players uh, in a deal for him, but not both. There's a level of uncomfortability for... And look, I'm happy he's with CAA because in this now 
hypothetical situation, it's a lot easier for him to extend, but you have to pay him and you're going to pay him a lot. You're going to probably pay him more than what RJ Barrett would be earning next year. You could look at, well, next, next year, the 2024-25 the season, you'd be paying RJ and IQ more than you'd be paying uh, DiVincenzo and Ananobi. But you're just more about the same. It's it's probably a little bit more, but yeah, but it's just you're losing the pull up shooting that IQ provides. You're not adding that to anything. You don't have it just leaves you very precarious from a point guard perspective. You've got Jalen Brunson. You've got Deuce McBride. Deuce hasn't played a ton on ball. The way he's used is more like secondary ball handling. So if one of those guys goes down, you're in a heap of trouble. That's the benefit of having IQ there is that, okay, cool. It's the next man up. Then you could really bring in Deuce, but you're probably going to find a way to have other people run the offense and Deuce is maybe more secondary as well there. So it would leave you very thin at running the offense. And that's not what OG's game is going to do. It's not going to impact. No, he doesn't. So now if there's a conversation about RG and OG, RJ and OG, uh, it's similar. Again, RJ's under contract for four years. OG, unrestricted free agent next summer. So it's a little bit concerning to me. The IQ part of it, I just can't <laughs> reckon with because of how depleted it would leave the Knicks. Leave the Knicks. And then, okay, well, if that's the case, who are you bringing in? Um, because if you're doing that, then I would fully expect, okay, you are you going to the Wizards? Are you saying uh, Monte Morris, uh, Delon Wright? You have to I find don't... someone to soak up the minutes. But at this point now, you're... You're hunkering in a lot on the defensive end, which is good, but I would, this just isn't the move where I would move both of these players. There are very few trades I would use where both of these players go out and I feel comfortable with what's left. I think so it, I'm, I'm a no. I think it's completely defensible, your position. I, I, I don't say this with uh, much robustness. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough decision. If I thought about it a lot more, I might decide the other way. Um, because I do appreciate how good Emmanuel quickly is. And I also do appreciate how good RJ Barrett can get. Um, the night, the thing that I like about bringing an OG is like, is, is OG Ananobi, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall, a championship top three. No, it's not. But do you have two of your top three? Yes. Is the biggest piece still missing? Yes. But is the biggest piece going to still be missing anyway? And at the end of the day, I think the more interesting part of that question for me is, would you rather give up RJ and the necessary draft assets to get OG? Or would you rather just give up RJ and IQ and wipe your hands of it? And for me, I'd rather have the draft draft assets than Emmanuel quickly, because I think those draft assets will be worth more or are worth more to the Knicks and their other goals, long-term goals. I'm not... Not picking with those players or for, you know, those picks to, to take players. But like, um, yeah, I, you get the gist. 15, uh, 34, yeah. 29. You know what those numbers are? I should. Those are the amount of missed games per year that OG Ananobi has had. Okay. Yeah, that's RJ has been incredibly durable. IQ outside of his injury has been. So it's like I would feel very uncomfortable about trading players who I know can suit up for someone you know and you're betting on their upside um for a year hopefully more of og as he's missing time and again i say that as someone who is a very big fan of his and has talked him up that i just can't get on board for very fair i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna go crazy about that hey what's up 
Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. Pete Boone. Bondurant. Bondurant. You said it much better than me. Thank you to the whole KFS crew for all the great content this week. You're welcome. And thanks to everybody for for delivering the content. Uh, You went above and beyond and it is greatly appreciated. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, It's been fun. It's been cool. Uh, Robert Cross, it's your boy, John. I am just here to get agitated. Hashtag 53 wins. I got to tell you, I I think uh, that's me. Um, (laughs) Always happens. Uh, I don't think you're going to be that agitated. Today, if if you gun to my head, at least while we're on, if you ask me right now, I I, I don't think you're going to lose any of your beloved young Knicks, Robert. Not while we're on, at least. So I think you'll be all right. Oh, I think you will. It's Robert. Robert's agitated about everything. There's something that's going to seriously upset Robert, and uh, it could it could be a butterfly flapping its wings. Uh, it could be anything that occurs, but something will agitate Robert. And I appreciate him joining us to be agitated and responding in real time as best we can with the Super Chat. So thanks, Robert. We, we take you in any state that you are, Robert. Thank you. Sam Garcia, thank you, KFS, for all the great content this week. Another thank you. We appreciate you. you, Sam. We hope your whole crew, fourth grade teachers, uh, toaster oven repairmen, um, you know, anybody and everybody, your dog walker. Dentists. Dentist, yeah. Sam Garcia's limo dentist. driver, yeah. <laughs> Does Sam Garcia have a limo driver? That's really that's the question people really came here to find out. Um, thanks, Sam. Uh, Mao Tao, the only question to be asked is who's not going to regret not coming to the Knicks? I like it. How do you think Kevin Durant's feeling these days? I don't know. Uh, I think he's pretty good. 
He's probably, uh, you know, he's got Devin Booker and Bradley Beal on his team. And now it's up to the front office to make the right adjustments to bring the supporting cast. So if I were Durant, I'd be fine. Yeah. He's I, fine in the West. I am. He's fine in the West. Uh, Kevin Danishevsky. What's going on, Kev? Is the like, what is the likelihood they trade one of RJ Julius over under 50%? Well, this is a really good question. Well, yeah, I think the likelihood that they trade Julius Randall is five percent or less. I had the same number in mind. Okay. Yeah. So then the likelihood that they trade RJ Barrett like this offseason, let's just say that. Do I think it's like higher than 45%? I'm going to I'm going to be a chicken and I'm going to say it's it's un, the total number is under 50% because things are less likely to happen in the NBA than they are likely to happen. So I'm going to go with the default of that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll play off of that and I'll say it's above 50%. Okay. I'll take the over. I think... Hot take, Jeremy. Well, I, but I, is it that hot of a take, though? Like, is it that hot to, to say that the player who the Knicks weren't really having closing I, games for a lot of the season to, to maybe not be here? So, look... I don't know. I can tell you this. I wasn't expecting to see James Harden opting into his contract yesterday and probably going somewhere like the Clippers. I legitimately don't know, but we'll see. So much chaos happens where it, nothing really surprises me at this point. And then again, there are things that absolutely surprise me. I wouldn't be shocked if you were to tell me that there's a decent chance that RJ has moved. I also wouldn't be super surprised if the Knicks said there really aren't any targets that are worth paying too much for so we're going to hold off and we're fine yeah that's but like on the surface again especially if you're talking about adding players like DiVincenzo changing up the roster if there is someone to shake loose I feel like there's a better chance it's RJ than it would be Grimes or quickly and certainly Brunson or or Hart so that's kind of where I'm at in terms of if there has to be someone it's the guy that where no one else is in the building from when he was drafted but but again, so I'll go a little over 50%, but um, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be Randall. You know what I, you know what I feel like I feel comfortable saying if any team out there has the same valuation on RJ Barrett, than the majority of Nick fans seem to, there is a 100% chance that the Knicks will trade him to whoever that team is. That is, that is what I feel comfortable saying. Uh, Draymond looks like it's gonna be four for a hundred with Golden State, by the way. That's a lot of money, but it, they had to. Have. I mean, they, they had to give him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fred Katz, what's your prediction for the first deal to get done? Shout out to Fred Katz again for his live stream the other night. I'm guessing Herb Jones. Is it Herb Jones or Herb Jones? I think it's Herb. Uh, four for 53. So, yeah, it was an interesting move that um, the the my God. It's really already uh, the Pel- Pelicans. No. Yes. The Pelicans made him a restricted free agent when they could have had him on $2 million for next year. The reason they did that is so they could maintain matching rights. Um, even though the most that they could offer him right now is the contract that Fred just said. There's, I mean, to me, there's no negotiation there. 
uh, Herb, like he's either deciding like you're that's what you're going to offer him. You're not going to offer him any less than that if you're the Pelicans. So it's like, do I think they'll offer that? Yes. Will Herb Jones take that? Yeah, probably. Is that the first deal though? So fun fact, by the way, uh, you probably didn't know this, but Herb Jones is actually one of the original 11 herbs and spices from KFC, which is a pretty, pretty awesome fact. Um, you know, but in terms of the first deal, my money is going to go on. I'll say Jeremy Grant. Really? Just because I feel like there's going to be something ironed out there where the Blazers are going to pay him a lot of money and be like, well, that that's a lot. Okay. I mean, it would make sense that he stand that he gets a ton, but they come to a decision quickly and that they try to operate with Dame in mind. And then if it doesn't work out, they can move Dame and then they can move Grant at another point. But I don't think it's going to be a team that is is signing another free agent away. But that being said, last year, our phones blew up within the first minute. So yeah. like it's hard to even keep track of which like which reporter is going to report the very first deal. And it's now there's some reports coming out that maybe Van Fleet is Van Vliet is going to be back to uh Toronto for four for one twenty. I'm gonna take one out of left field here. I'll go uh George's Niang to the Cavs. It's first deal reported. There was that rumor of Niang potentially to the Cavs. I think that would be hilarious if all this chaos going on and it's Niang just for some portion of the mid-level exception. It's a good player. It's a good player. I don't know if he's any they, better. They than, can't do that much better with the, with the assets I, that they I, have. I, was say, I don't know if he's better trade than one of their core four. Yeah. I don't know if he's better than Dean Wade. Uh, That's true. But then again, I don't. How many players in the league are better than than Dean Wade? I, can I mean, we can we explore that? How Niang would impact Dean Wade's minutes? Because that's a huge impact. I mean, I hope that there is some hive of people in Cleveland who, if they sign Niang and it cut into Dean Wade's minutes, would be like it would be like the Cam thing here. Like you have ruined Dean Wade's chances to be an, a Hall of Fame player in the league by signing this George's Niang fellow to block him from his greatness. That's possible, right? It's a tragedy. It's a Shonda. As us uh, <laughs> Jews might say, it's a Shonda. I've never heard that word before. Oh, it's a great word. That's a good word. Shame. It's a crime. Yeah. Uh, Eric Cruz mid season OG trade. Okay. RJ and Fournier without sending IQ. Um, I mean, if the OG thing goes into the season, I think, Without having thought it through, that would I I don't know I wouldn't know what the hell to think in terms of whether that makes him less likely to be traded, more likely to be traded. I suppose it would certainly depend on on how Toronto was doing. If like Toronto came out of the gates and they were good, and OG was an important part of that, I mean I don't think they trade him. Um, more importantly than that, I don't think Fournier's gonna if Fournier's on this, on this roster and come camp that I would be. That I'd be shocked by. Floored. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's also take a quick timeout in terms of uh, so RJ and Fournier's salaries are going to be that's, over that's forty-one million dollars. Sorry. So OG making a lot less than that. Yeah. There'd have to be a three-team deal. There'd have to be more on Toronto's side, unless one of the teams the Knicks moved Fournier to, for example, had cap space. But you need to have ninety percent of of so of what the floor. I, I still don't have it. 
locked him yeah, in. Yeah, ninety percent of the ninety f- percent of the of the floor by the first day of the regular season, or ninety percent of the cap. That is the okay, floor, the, which is the floor. Yes, so so that's why I'm skeptical that there'd be enough room for a team to take on that type of salary, but there could be. We don't know. We'll see. I just um, I would be very surprised as well if Fournier were here to that point where the Knicks could even move him, and then it's this type of move. Yeah, Fournier, I don't know. Fournier is not going to be here very much longer. Uh, Robert Cross with another one. First time, long time, John. Is it fair and reasonable to say that this is like Christmas for Cutlets? I'll, I'll let him answer that. If so, do you think that speaks well of his childhood upbringing? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Hashtag 53 wins. My first question is, did you celebrate Christmas? Because I know some some people who are uh, Jewish do celebrate Christmas uh, a little bit because one of my grandfathers is obsessed with Santa Claus <laughs> to a very disturbing degree. So let's say that's not strange at no, all. No, it's it. Yeah, um, this is probably like Christmas in the sense that I still have Hanukkah, so that's been great. I've got eight days of presents. There's only really one day of the year, so yeah, you know, I, I would imagine this is that. Uh, does it speak well of my upbringing? I mean, like I was raised religiously how I was raised. So, you know, are we having a war on religion now, Robert? Is that, is that really where we want to go? Cause I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we want to go that direction with free agency, five minutes away. Now you got my, me curious about what Robert Cross's faith is. Does Robert Cross have any faith? You think maybe Robert Cross is an atheist. Yeah. I could see Robert saying there is no God and just, Maybe after today he will be. <laughs> it's very, very possible. He, <laughs> yes, he does believe in RJ Barrett. That's true, Andrew. Um, one Lord and Savior. No, Mitchell Robinson is one Lord and Savior. If yes. Mitchell Robinson was God, my Lord. Uh, does that mean Ra- make Randall the devil in Robert's world? Oh, either Randall or Tibbs, one of those two. It's, it's got to be Randall, right? Andrew's giving you what, what is that face, Andrew? The religious conversation that this has hey, escalated to. This is this was the question we were asked. We're just going with it. Yeah. I believe Robert believes in, like you said, Mitchell Robinson is his father, RJ Barrett is his son, and Emmanuel Quickly is his Holy Spirit. <laughs> I just thought of the Seinfeld episode with when Putty thinks Elaine's going to hell and she's mm-hmm. mad that he's not concerned, even though she doesn't believe in it. Uh, with the ragged clothing. Okay, well, we need to go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.